Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host, Luke Velasca, and we are joined today by a very special guest, um, Tanner, uh, from our customer success team here at Sonar. Tanner, how are you today? Good, man. Man, awesome. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you taking Absolutely. the time to invite me on, man. We're glad to have you here, Tanner. Tanner, a uh, lot of fun. And we, by the way, we have another special guest here coming in a little bit. We've we got a lot to discuss today. We're going to give a quick little market update. Yep. Okay. Then we're going to invite our, uh, our guest, uh, Todd Worthington. He's the director of transportation um, for Covertus. And then uh, we'll, we'll cap things off a little bit with what's happened in the market, how shippers are dealing with things. And then we'll, we'll cap things off at the very end with uh, one more market update. Um, but uh, before we get there, uh, uh, for folks that are watching that don't know, Tanner, give just a little introduction of yourself, uh, how long you've been at Freight Waves, and what you do here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like we said, my name is Tanner Dehart. I'm here on the customer success team at FreightWaves. Been here for uh, almost actually two years now. Next week's actually my two-year awesome. man. Can you believe that? Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, so I, I help manage some of our uh, some of our larger enterprise clients here uh, on the customer success side and helping them kind of understand the sonar data and how to use it every day in their operations. That's exciting. What's the most, uh, what's the most rewarding part of your job? Really been able to see the results. Um, you know, a lot of people just use sonar to to use some of the data, but really able yeah. to have that person behind it to drive actions forward and be able to help them make actual decisions and being able to see their company grow uh, and really be able to use that data to to push them forward. Great. What was your background prior to coming uh, to Freightways, and was the transition what you thought it would be? Yeah, so my background is in third-party logistics. So I actually spent about six years at CH Robinson before I came to FreightWaves. And yeah. I've been able to use pretty much, I mean, every every tool in the toolbook that I was using at CH Robinson, I've been able to use here, right? So we talked to all different types of clients, rather if it's a small carrier, 3PL, uh, or even some shipper clients that we have, able to use all that experience, understanding how they need to work their operations and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and helping them. So definitely a lot of that experience kind of transitions over here at FreightWaves. Yeah, no, that, that's great. That's really exciting. And, and I think that that's really true, especially in your role too, to be able to um, articulate what's happening. Because a lot of times folks, they see the day and they're like, wow, that's amazing, but what do I do with it? And that's where that experience can really play a part. Absolutely. I mean, any tool, it's not just Sonar, right? Any tool where you purchase something and it's some data on there that you kind of need to understand, you have to have kind of that person to help you walk through that and understand how to use it. Um, and so that's what we do on a daily basis here. Uh, and, and honestly, it's, it, it's a lot of fun. That's exciting. Let, let's go ahead. We're going to bring Todd on in just a second. Before we do, let's let's go ahead and do just a quick little market update here for folks that are viewing. You, you, this might be familiar to you, but I want to I want to just talk about something that's happened since our show last week. Um, so last week we've been talking a lot about demand, and demand's been suppressed, but it was getting a tiny bit of life here, and then this happened. So let's go ahead and throw this chart up on the screen for for those that haven't seen. So what we've got right now is this is our outbound tender volume index. So this is really a measure of demand. Um, dark blue line that you see there, that's what we're looking at. That dark blue line is year-to-date truckload demand. Um, and see that big, sharp dip that we had there kind of right at the start of November? That's not a holiday. A lot of times when you see a big drop like that, it's from those holiday seasons that you see there throughout the charts. It's not a holiday right now. No, definitely not a holiday. And as you can see, these troughs that Luke is talking about, they happen pretty much every year at the exact same time, right? And because this index is a daily rolling seven-day average, you're always going to have those dips and those recoveries. And I've talked to a lot of our shipper clients, Luke, and they no longer have to send barely as much loads as they were on the spot market as they were a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, they no longer have to tender all the way down you know, the, the waterfall routing guide and go to their three, four, fifth carrier. They're pretty much getting tenders accepted on, on a primary or secondary basis. Yeah, no, that's a spot on here. Um, while we're talking about that on the shipper side, I think this is a good, good segue. Let's bring, in, let's bring in Todd here. 
Todd is the uh, he's the director of transportation here um, for uh, the best company in the world, right, Todd? Hey, thank you for having me, uh, Luke and Tanner. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, Todd. Glad to have you here. Um, Todd, if you don't mind, um, we do this show every week. A lot of folks see us. They get comfortable with us. They get comfortable with the data. But I know this is your first time here. So welcome to FreightWaves TV. Glad to have you here. You finally made it. Um, this is the start of yep. start of the next journey. Hollywood's next for you, Todd. Um, but <laughs> One step at a time. We'll that's right. You guys first. One step at a time. No, in all seriousness, Todd, just for... For, for those that maybe aren't familiar with, with, with your company and, and also your role, just give us a quick, maybe 20-second overview of, uh, of what you do and where your focus is. Yep. Uh, so I work for a company called Cabetris North America. We are an animal health uh, technology and distribution company. So um, our customer is the vet and, and their customers as well. So we um, primarily serve a B2B market to the vet clinics, and we support the vets uh, by providing uh, products to consumers that compete with the like of Chewy and 1-800 Pet Pets. So my role at the company is to manage the strategy, um, the transportation strategy, our carrier agreements, and how we go forward in the markets, uh, whether it's parcel, truckload, ocean, LTL, et cetera. So we're very multimodal um, at our company. Yeah. Very exciting. So being so multimodal, especially in the last couple of years, you, you didn't deal with any sort of disruptions, did you? Exactly. Um, you know, I know that's uh, tongue in cheek there, but, um, you know, 2020 at the beginning, we ship uh, cold chain product and uh, pharmaceutical vaccines that are very needed for yeah. pets to, to maintain their health. And at the beginning of, uh, of, of COVID, it, it, we got impacted at the parcel level. Um, last year, just like everyone else, um, we got impacted for it. So yeah. it's quiet and we can finally somewhat return back to normal and, and attack your uh, strategies. No, that, that's that's exciting. And I'm, I'm curious, too, because I think you guys have a really unique perspective in that a lot of some of the products that you ship, they, ha- they have a shelf life. So it's you know, there's been a lot of disruptions that we've seen here. You know, what was the what was the mm-hmm. most surprising, um, mm-hmm. the surprising hurdle you know, looking back that you think you had to overcome, you know, during that period of volatility, or maybe a better way to say it is, what was the, you know, what problem needed a solution with the greatest urgency? You know, it's our, basically at the beginning of COVID, I I think the biggest issue was we, our country um, went on an unprecedented tear of spending and we were at home and the model shifted um, from a B2B market to a B2C market literally overnight. And, and the parcel yeah. carriers were not prepared for that. Um, and I think, you know, you think if you're averaging two packages of delivery down to one, that flipped it um, and there was much more consumption at home. So for us, our main mode was parcel and we had a lot of cold chain packages arrive late and it was massive. To your point, it was massive all across the country. We couldn't just pinpoint it or redirect it from a port, you know, the West Coast to the East Coast port or anything. So trying to put some strategy of, of how to attack that, and more importantly, um, communicate to our, our customer base of how we were going to solve for it. Yeah. No, that, I, it seems to be a reoccurring theme, right? Communication, being able to communicate probably to your suppliers, but also to your customers and, and what's happening. Uh, I'm curious, though, we, we hear a lot, especially recently now that the freight market has taken a, a bit of a downturn from, from the incredible bull run it had during 2020 and 2021. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like carriers, are, carriers and, and 3PLs are feeling the brunt of that you know, first. 
But from a shipper's perspective, you know, what is, um, I guess, what's, what's, having, what's having the greatest impact on shippers um, today as things soften a bit, com- you know, versus, you know, uh, versus during the height of the pandemic? You know, what, what, what's impacting you today? You know, I, I think it's as quickly as moving from those higher rates to the lower rates and trying to find that in real time. Um, I did a RFP um, in January, and at that time I was staring down a what was just an insane, I won't say the increase, um, and I've done annual uh, RFPs for truckload, that is, um, every single year, and I made some just decision, let's just cut it six months and see where we're at. Um, and so that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and not knowing at the time that uh, two, three months down the road, we're like, all right, things are changing. You know, what is it? And that sort of thing. Um, at that same time, um, I think, you know, uh, Tanner was talking about uh, spot moves and, and tenor rejections and, and that sort of thing. So I put a tool in um, to automate our um, spot quote process. And I, I got some carriers on board for that. And that one dry. Um, so it was quickly turning to that spot or uh, getting uh, more up-to-date real-time rates um, because there's always financial pressure. Everyone reads that at the C-suite level and you're trying to adjust and and do it and maintain your supply chain at the same time. Yeah. Hey, Todd, uh, Tanner here, just kind of elaborating on that. Uh, it, at some point, there comes to a point where some people have to spend less time on the spot market and eventually move back towards the contracted market, right? So what are some things that you kind of look for as kind of that that sign where maybe it's time to switch back over to the contracted market and, and shift focus away from the spot? Yeah. You know, I, I, the first thing I'd look at is the outbound tenant rejection rate. Um, when that's going down, you feel it, and I did feel it, uh, but then you you want to look at the numbers um, to see is it truly a trend, and in at least 30 days, uh, I'm a person, let's not overreact too quickly. Um, so I look at that. Um, I look at the national uh, spot rate average in relation to contract. How is that going down? If, if it is going down, that tells me um, that there is more capacity then there is shipments um, because the the numbers going down. So there's more of my freight than there are trucks. So that tells me I have to maybe change course um, and look at a different strategy or my rates, whatever I did have may not be as, as lucrative as they are now. So um, those are the two main um, things I look at. Something else intangible would be the um, kind of right now, you, I think you're kind of seeing some, uh, merger and acquisitions uh, with different companies. Now, you know, down the road, you're, you're seeing those because they're trying to survive. Um, that further boosts that theory that the market is softening. But those are the, uh, the first two are the uh, two main keys that I look for. Yeah, on the M&A front, we just saw uh, Warner uh, purchase uh, Reed TMS. So that, that was that was quite recent. Yeah, yeah let, let's go ahead. Just since you brought up uh, tender rejections, let's go ahead and throw that up on the screen here just to, just to get a pulse for for those that haven't seen it uh, recently, um, Todd, this will probably be a review for you. But um, yeah, so th- this yeah. is the last five years here. So we're looking super long-term trend. Yeah. But that's the last last five years. Um, you'll notice only, basically, the, for the most part, the chart's green. And we're sitting, that number all the way on the right, if you can't read, it's about 4.28%. And the two little red blips you see there, those are the only two periods in the last five years 
where tender rejections were lower than they are now. Yeah, it's, it's really made an impact uh, across the whole transportation board, right? And rejections at 4%, so you're mm-hmm. basically talking about a 96% acceptance rate, right? right? So as we kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show, that most shippers don't have to go past their primary or secondary providers, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he's seen that as well. Um, but it definitely makes a big difference. The interesting thing is that even though we're back to about a two-and-a-half-year low on rejection rates, that rates are still you know, looking at outbound demand and rates. They're yeah. a lot different than what they were in 2019. There really are, and that's, that's a good segue. So this is, this is probably how capacity is interacting with demand. Let's go ahead and throw up the rate chart as well, because I know, Todd, you mentioned that as well. We can look at how spot and contract are doing. So we'll throw those rates up on the screen um, here in a moment. Um, while we're waiting on that, the thing that I think surprised me the most with these tender rejections, though, is like you had that real big deceleration in March, April, and May. And then I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we're hanging out here for a yep. while and that's it. But no, we've continued to stair-step lower a little bit every couple weeks. Yeah, you, you'd think that we would have found a floor by now, right? Yeah. You'd think we would have found some bottom amount and, and, and maybe some capacity flowing in out of the market, but it really hasn't changed. We've continued to see a decline, and we mm-hmm. talk about it all the time, right? Rejections is pretty much king. It, it leads yes. the market. So if rejections continue to decline, we can expect spot market rates to decline as well. And of course, looking at the next one, I'm, I'm sure we can ask Todd here, but um, spot markets also lead the contracted market. And so I think he mentioned that the the spread is at about 90, 92 cents right now between contracted and spot. And that that's going to continue to have an impact on what we see. Yeah, I, I typically see, um, I typically equate the truckload market uh, with the economy. So when the economy's up, yeah. um, obviously rates are going up. When the economy's going down, uh, rates are going down. And, and more or less, obviously, that could be easy to, to equate those two, um, but capacity is going to be consumed. So it, um, when it is going up, and obviously it deflates when it goes down. And, and I think we have gradually gone down into that recession and more indicators uh, with the housing crisis, or not the housing, but the you know the interest rates going up, uh, things are getting more expensive, and the news is coming out. I think that's probably what you're seeing in the back or the middle part in the back end of this year. Um, and that's why I think you probably have seen that continue to gradually go down because demand for product is continuing to go down and, and simultaneously services is going up. So not to get too economical, but I think usually there is a good correlation and a reason why behind those numbers. Todd, I, I might be getting ahead of myself here and I have no data to back this up. Genuinely <laughs> curious though, but is Covetris borderline recession proof? I mean, you talk about, I mean, people put a lot, lot of efforts into their pets, especially mm-hmm. in downtimes, right? People want to have a little, you know, they, they want to make sure their their loved ones, including pets, are taken care of. I mean, not to say there's no no pressure at all, but is is maybe maybe it's the industry in general. I don't know. You would know better than I. Is is the industry a little more protected from a recession? Healthcare in general is um, somewhat, but just like humans, we might not go to the doctor all the time if money becomes tight you might not have that elective surgery or anything like there so you see some of that in the industry um, but generally it, it still continues people still have to go to the vet yeah. to take care of a, a cat your dog or, or get your um, vaccines and, and that sort of thing so we do see it a, a you know as much as what the economy goes up and down but it's not as drastic as you might see in the retail space Sure. And and Todd, veterinarians, I mean, they're, they're also motivated to write prescriptions, right? And kind of use some of their systems. So mm-hmm. I know you guys do offer products also to your veterinarians, but you also have a, a, a SaaS side as well, where they're using a management system uh, they're using for, for writing prescriptions, right? How, how, how do you, what's your outlook on that side of the business as well? 
Um, for our, for us, that is the growth engine of our company. So that, if you're speaking to, it's our pharmacy division, and that um, is is you, myself, and instead of buying from the vet historically, we would buy from the vet. We'd buy flea and tick, heart guard. You'd buy diet food. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, over time, that would go to um, some of our competitors, uh, and the vet would lose that revenue stream. So we have offered a platform. Uh, for the vet to say, hey, I work for ABC Vet, um, come to my space and you can buy product for me. Um, and that's powered by our company. So we do all the pick, pack and ship, pharmacy prescription writing and that sort of thing uh, for our customers. So they can still get, um, they trust the doctor, they trust their vet. Um, that's who they trust most. And they can go to that vet space to buy that product. And that's how we work with uh, our end consumer. Yeah. No, that's really exciting. I love that. You know, I know you guys are, are really pushing the envelope there. You know, one one topic that I wanted to pick your brain on. So last week, we, Tanner and I, as well as our company, a lot of customers were at our, our annual event, the Future Freight Festival. We call it F3. It was in Chattanooga. Uh, great time, great turnout. A lot, lot of smart folks there talking. Um, so not sure why they let me talk. But the, uh, um, but, uh, uh, but on the flip side, um, we talked a lot about where the future of technology is going. I know you guys also invest in technology in addition to your products. So from your perspective, Todd, in your opinion, you know, what excites you the most about the future of the, the freight economy and how, and maybe how technology can disrupt it? Yeah, the, the biggest thing that I, I see is uh, what I get excited about right now is uh, real-time transportation visibility. Um, that space right there, historically speaking, I come from a carrier environment. I worked nine years for two LTL carriers and the old adage of where's my freight, where the customer calls the terminal, the terminal calls dispatch, dispatch calls the driver, and you reverse that where you can now get re- literally real-time visibility of where your product is at. That allows, that cuts down on um, that contact time, but then also provides a lot more predictability um, not just in your deliveries, but uh, for us, it's, it's our procurement. So um, we, it, we can get visibility to how long does it take um, for a container to get from Shanghai to uh, Columbus, Ohio. That allows us to order the right amount and to get the right inventory and not have too much holding costs. So that to me is really one of the great things that I'm excited about. The other thing is um, the tools that you guys have here, the real-time pricing um, that allows you to see what's in the market. Um, and, you know, you'll do an RFP, um, but then you can see um, benchmark that against where the market is at. And that allows us to um, make sure that we are being honest with our partners um, and we're not asking too much and they're not asking too much and we're, met, we're paying the right amount um, for what we're procuring. So those are primarily the two things uh, that I get really excited about. And Todd, one thing that we see a lot of times during a market shift is is going through an RFP process when rates aren't falling, people are willing to kind of open their doors to possibly bringing on new carriers. Um, even if you've had loyal carrier base, rather if it's truckload or LTL for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we do see rates falling, that happens. So is, it, is that something that you look at um, when market do shifts? Are, are you kind of open to opening the doors and, and hearing from maybe a few different providers and, and what they have to offer? Um, I... You know, I'm a big, I've been in this doing uh, transportation procurement for about 10 to 12 years. Um, And so I've seen there's the pendulum swings and it swings, the power swings to the shipper, it swings to the carrier. Um, My goal with with how I procure is to find relationships where we do not take as much advantage of each other 
um, when the power is, is swung to my way and or vice versa their way. Um, those are very few and far between. Um, I will look for, I might take advantage of someone, um, but I, I, true, I try um, first and foremost to stay uh, with my incumbents as much as possible unless it is obvious that I have to make a change uh, from a price or from a service standpoint. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just a, a procurement way of, of how I go about it. Yeah, service seems to be at the forefront of every conversation that I've been having mm-hmm. in, in Lucas out with customers, right? Everybody can go out and get a rate, but it's really about kind of how what's that extra mile that you're going to go for your customer and what service can you provide? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's where I think data data plays a big role in that conversation, right? You know, I mean, we just pulled up the chart. We could pull the chart up uh, here in a second, right? Um, pull that chart back up with the rates on it um, when we get a second. I mean, you'll see right here. Yeah, right there. So blue line is contract rates. You're, you're, and this is over the last year. Um, so they're they're coming down, they're stepping down slowly, very slowly. But that that um, and that's line haul, by the way. Uh, so we pulled out fuel for the stem, and the green line is spot rates again, line haul as well, still going down. So it's, you know, from a, you know, Todd, you could probably just say, okay, all my freight's going to the spot market tomorrow, and and what's that spread there, ninety cents a mile, whatever the number is, you know, and in theory save a lot of money. But there's there's got to be a big difference in service that you're going to get. And I don't necessarily think it's it, it's all about kind of where's the middle ground. Where do, where do we get cost savings, but also, you know, that that optimal service. I, I don't know, Todd. How how do you think or kind of manage those? Because this is a big spread right now, bigger than I've seen in a long time. So uh, for for our our network, we we are very unique in terms of we ship on the same product the same day and deliver on mm-hmm. the same day for. Um, each of our 13 DCs, we have um, animal health pharmaceutical products. So let's just think um, the flea, if you have a pet, flea and, flea and tick or heart guard, $60 a pill, and, you know, you buy on the market. Think about shipping a pet out of that. So uh, working with, for us, what's important is working with carriers um, that we know that we are a long-term buyer, um, that we trust, um, that could have good safety records. Um and it is fine finding that consistency with the carriers. So I will, what I will use is I will use the market intelligence to understand where the market's at. And I will go to our incumbents and I'll explain, hey, the market obviously is coming down. Um, we need to adjust. Um, I would like to keep you here because predictability, um, sustainability, and having carriers that run the same thing over for us um, is, is much better than trying to take a chance on all lanes, you know, we'll take a chance on a few, but on all lanes, um, because that, that gets our product from A to B and we reduce and mitigate, um, any issues with product getting damaged, getting lost, um, being delayed or anything, um, disrupting our supply chain. No, that's really So funny. we might be a little different than that, but it's just yeah. more or less using the market intelligence as opposed to getting a new carrier. It's to mm-hmm. find and work with our incumbents as much as possible. And if we cannot work with them, then we'll find you. And and Luke, one thing that I, I know we've talked a little about, and you actually talked about it with Dave from, from Kenko on our last show here last week, is that you can go out and use a whole bunch of different data, right? Yep. You can go purchase and have 10, 15 different tools, but it's really about what you do with that data and decisions yep. that you make. That's kind of the key the, the key thing. And, and, and Todd, is that, is that something that you guys yep. make emphasis on is, Yes, it's great to be able to go out and get external data from a few different sources, but it's really about how you put that data to work and the decisions that you can kind of quantify off of those. I'm sorry, what was the, the question? I did yeah. I miss that yeah. last. 
Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, how important is that, right? So, is that something that you guys put emphasis on? Is that I, I know you probably use a couple different tools for external data, but it's really about making the decisions, right? So, how, how big of an emphasis do you kind of put on quantifying using that data and, and when you're using procurements and, and looking for and talking to carriers? Oh, I, I use it for um, two different things. I use it to benchmark, um, if we are doing procurement, is benchmarking where those carriers are at. What's my final decision uh, from a rate perspective? With, when, with where the market is at. Not so much to save money, but if I'm over, obviously I wanna get that month, month, uh, that rate under. And then likewise, if if I have a carrier, I look, I might be different on here, but if I uh, work with a carrier and the rate is too low, particularly a broker, I'm concerned at that particular point, am I gonna find the right capacity? So yeah. I look at it at both ways um, to make sure, again, it's all about keeping my freight moving. Um, and if I can stay in that middle round where uh, I'm at market or right below, that's where I want to stay each and every time. So I use that. We do benchmarking. And the other thing we do is, um, and I've kind of now subscribing to it, is trying to buy in more real time. So I've tinkered with six-month RP cycles. Todd, um, I apologize. I Todd, I got to gotta steal the mic, Todd. We are running out of time here, but uh, that's how it works. You got so. it. We're going to have to crush. We'll, we'll see you guys next week, next Wednesday, live 3.30. And uh, Tanner may be back. You'll have to come back next week to find out. Take care.